Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. Another week. Uh, it's great to be with you. I hope you're all doing well and had a wonderful weekend. Uh, with that being said, let's jump into our first story, which is pretty unusual, but uh, I think what you will find definitely very fascinating. So when I first started the Luke Beasley Show, one of the things I promised in kind of my announcement and in my uh, subsequent articulations of what my show was all about was that not only would I tell you my view and would I be honest about the facts that I present, I would also make an effort to um, address views from the other side and take them seriously and try to interact with them and not just ignore things that I thought um, were illegitimate or even just a talking point from the other side um, and really give it the time of day in my own head. And then if there was some sort of value to discussing it, bring it forward. Um, to all of you. And so I'm wanting to do that right now with the whole Hunter Biden stuff. Recently, a movie's coming out by Breitbart, which is a very, very dishonest right-wing um, network that is kind of like this um, based on a real story type movie um, or, or, you know, characters obviously acting. It's not a documentary, but it's supposed to be based on the uh, relationship between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the corruption that they believe happened in between the two of them. And it's very dramatic and all those things and lots of uh, fake narratives being driven, but it has kind of re-engaged that conversation around Hunter Biden. And if you're someone who's on the right watching this right now, I'm actually going to give a lot of credit to certain parts of the Hunter Biden story. So hold, because that's why I'm doing this entire story, is to honestly, um, especially kind of what I promise is to be intellectually honest. Um, so that's what I want to do with this um, in addressing this story. Okay. So that movie that's coming out, as well as a recent clip that circulated from the Joe Rogan podcast of Mark Zuckerberg saying that Facebook was re- asked or reminded by the FBI to look out for misinformation right before the Hunter Biden story dropped. It just caused this kind of big blow up of the conversation around Hunter Biden. So just to give you context about why this is again in the news, I'm going to show you this moment from Joe Rogan, but then I'm doing an entire segment breaking down what's true and not true at this very given moment in relation to Hunter Biden. So first, let's watch this. So we took a different path. That's the voice of Mark Zuckerberg for our podcast listeners talking about his uh, company's interaction with FBI right before the Hunter Biden story dropped in 2020. And Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of – um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So, our- so that's the moment that has caused a bunch of people to falsely claim, um, this is the FBI forcing Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden story. No. In the lead up to the 2020 election, the FBI had it on good authority to believe there was going to be lots of misinformation. And what we saw in the 2016 election, whether you're right, left or center, or you think Russiagate is the biggest, you know, fake story that's ever happened or whatever. You have to recognize there is an insane amount of evidence, uh, verified evidence that yes, Russia was attempting to spread misinformation. Now, that doesn't mean that Trump was, uh, elected illegitimately. Nope, not at all. 
for many, many, many decades, uh, countries try to interfere with other countries' elections by spreading misinformation, spreading talking points. It should be addressed. I think it's bad. I think it's interesting to ask why would Russia want Trump as president, but it doesn't mean Trump wasn't rightfully elected, okay? Um, but it is something our federal agencies should be concerned with. And so they had it on good authority, whether related directly to the Hunter Biden story or just generally because the 2020 election was coming up, that this would be happening again. And Facebook, as well as other social media platforms, should be on the lookout for. So saying that to Facebook, I think is perfectly reasonable. This is not at all an example of some big cover up, especially because at that time, the FBI was under the control of a Trump appointed director, right? Um, so kind of weird to believe this is Biden somehow covering up the Hunter Biden story. Uh, so that meant really nothing to me. I don't know why it went so viral. It makes sense that a agency that's trying to fight back against misinformation or is investigating those types of interactions from other governments would warn social media sites. There was no threat in there. There was no uh, even tone of Zuckerberg's voice that would indicate um, you know, the FBI was really attempting to threaten his company to cover up some story. Okay. So that can be set aside, but now let's just get into the meat of Hunter Biden, why it became such a big story and what I think is true and not true about it. So the first thing that caused alarm, especially on the right, and what I'll do a lot in this segment is say, here's what I think is true. And here's why I think the right is either getting it wrong or, um, why we don't believe them initially. So Throughout a lot of this, as I'm going through and researching over the weekend, uh, all of the different, you know, nitty gritty parts of this story, I realize why the right is, um, is not being believed is like everyone's initial reaction whenever they put out a story like this. It's because the, the way that they gather and put out information is incredibly dishonest and they have this long track record. And so for me, if I go to a media network that's reporting on Hunter Biden and they're also the same media network that's uh, pushing out the election being stolen, it's hard to take the Hunter Biden story at face value. So I got to dig into it and I got to question a lot of the elements, right? Whereas a more legitimate uh, media source may be able to give me easier facts to break down um, without having to fact check every tiny little word that's in there. Um, so I would beg the right to take a lesson from this and think y'all got to be more honest if you want to ha- be taken seriously when you make claims um, like the ones you're making. The other big takeaway from this, watching the right and their uh, kind of interfacing with this topic is you don't understand how evidence works. So there's some evidence, some very clear evidence to why Hunter Biden did some wrong things and why Joe Biden should have acted differently. There really is. Then y'all take things and pretend that's the same legitimate, uh, the same amount of legitimacy to a claim that has not even close to the same amount of evidence. Just because you can prove Hunter Biden did one thing wrong or Joe Biden should have acted different in this way doesn't mean all the next claims you're going to make are true. Okay. So we'll get into all that, but those are some upfront things that I feel like the right did wrong on this. But then the left, I will concede to the right cared about the story less than we probably would have cared if this was, you know, Ivanka Trump and the exact same facts that line up. Okay. Um, and, and so we'll get into all of that. Starting off the thing that originally created alarm was Hunter Biden, someone who probably isn't qualified to have this position, got a really bougie, uh, you know, 
director type position, board director type position at one of the largest energy companies in Ukraine. And at that point in time, Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States and also was the point person within the Obama administration uh, for Ukrainian policy. So eh, eh, eh. again, while I'm someone who doesn't think this story is everything people play it up to be, definitely recognize why that causes alarm, why that is not something that a vice president should allow to happen. For him to be the point person on a country and um, and have to make decisions and encourage the administration to do things that would directly affect a, a massive energy company that his son is involved with, and granted his son probably wouldn't, definitely wouldn't have gotten that position otherwise, presents a massive conflict of interest. Humongous. I totally agree when people say that, okay? Again, we're going to get to where they start getting dishonest, but as of that point in time, if you want to make a claim and say there was a huge conflict of interest between Joe Biden as vice president and this energy company in Ukraine because they clearly just gave Hunter Biden that job and paid him a bunch of money for it because his last name was Biden, you are totally right on that. And that makes me lose a lot of respect for Joe Biden, somebody who lately I've been giving tons of credit to and have been gaining tons of respect for. One of the big defenses that the Biden administration uh or, or not, not, not the administration, Biden on the campaign trail when this was brought up said was, uh, well, you know, Hunter Biden's a private citizen. He can work for whatever company he'd like. We don't have control over that. Nope. Not appropriate. You're the vice president. You do have to demand certain things of your family. Same thing with the Trumps, right? I think Jared Kushner going to Saudi Arabia, getting this multi-billion dollar investment that he definitely did not make a good enough case for why he deserved that. Um, but it was encouraged by the Saudi Arabian government for that to be given to him uh, is a similar situation where was Trump a part of that? No, zero evidence to say that Trump, you know, was Donald Trump was directly involved in that. But Jared Kushner going and doing that definitely presents a conflict of interest if Trump were to get back in power um, and Jared Kushner being someone who is at the top of that administration uh, previously. So same thing with Biden. You have to demand of your family members, whatever it takes, that they don't put you in a situation where that blatant of a conflict of interest is present. So I totally agree with anybody right, left, or center who makes the claim that there was a big conflict of interest there and that that is a character flaw is a moment of losing respect for Joe Biden, um, losing some level of respect for Joe Biden, and definitely for Hunter Biden. Because while Joe Biden might have felt like, oh, I don't know if I can do something about Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden feeling like he was justified in doing that um, and, and knowing that he was using his name to get paid big bucks for a position he shouldn't have and putting his dad in a, in a situation where there was an obvious conflict of interest there is insane. Now, a quick, you know, kind of footnote, another moment to critique the right here. One of the things that y'all did that was really upsetting and y'all continue to do is pretend like the mainstream media, like liberal media doesn't cover any of these stories. I just spent the weekend looking into everything related to Hunter Biden and a ton of mainstream media outlets covered this. What are y'all talking about? I mean, they're honest about when there's evidence, when there's not, but they'll say these claims are being made these claims are true, these claims aren't, and these are, you know, we don't know yet type vibe. And so much of the information that has been reported on that was 
unearthed about Hunter Biden and his dealings came from what you would consider to be liberal outlets. So I don't know what y'all are talking about. Again, incredibly dishonest. Y'all want to believe something that um, isn't true, and it's really upsetting to watch. Um, so with that being said, yes, he definitely had that position. He shouldn't have had it presented a conflict of interest. Again, tons of liberal media outlets made that clear and said every expert we talked to um, who oversees situations like this, who has researched this historically, um, says that this presents a massive conflict of interest. Okay, so then the step two claim then is Joe Biden was in coordination with Hunter Biden to corruptly do things to benefit Hunter Biden and possibly also financially benefit Joe Biden. That is what there is not significant evidence for. So one of the things that uh, was claimed is that Joe Biden fired this particular prosecutor in Ukraine or pressured the Ukrainian government to fire him um, or fire them because Hunter Biden wanted that to happen. Again, I beg the right, if you're going to make claims, massive claims about the president of the United States being all corrupt or being corrupt while he was vice president, you need to do the proper work. So if you look into the situation at that time, the broad U.S. US government stance on that prosecutor, as well as international, uh, you know, entities outside the United States that were allied with the United States, all were in, uh, you know, had consensus that that prosecutor should be fired. So Biden, very little decision making in that. He had to go and communicate what was already the stance of the U.S. government broadly and our allies um, across the world. So I beg y'all to look into stuff like that because that is not an example of Joe Biden based on his relationship with his son who had a position in Ukraine uh, that I admit was very inappropriate, uh, but that's not an example of him being corrupt. Again, though, I understand why you want to believe that, and I understand why Biden is set up to look that way. And that's why I blame Joe Biden for a lot of this, because, dude, really? You're going to allow your son to have that position of power in a country where you're the point person? Oh, of course you're going to set up a situation where the opposition to you can make a story like they're making. It really upsets me. They're going to spread misinformation about you, but don't let there be even a kernel of truth to the claims they're making. It's really irritating on the part of Joe Biden um, that he allowed this to happen or that there wasn't a detailed documentation that he knew he had to make of him denouncing his his son for being in that position. That's what you should do if you really feel like you can't get your son to step down. Um, It's it's really, because he's using your position of power, dude. Really? He's using your name to get him a bougie position. And the other part of this is Hunter Biden in some of the... um, communications that have been unearthed between him and other members of this company in Ukraine makes it clear that he definitely was trying to pretend like he did have some authority over Joe Biden. Like he did have some sort of tight relationship with uh, Biden and Biden would, you know, follow some of the, the, the moves that Hunter Biden wanted to make. I do think that Hunter Biden was trying to play that up again. There, there's just not evidence that Biden did something uh, in response to Hunter Biden's requests or in response to the interests of this company. Biden did what was in line with um, the interests of the United States at that time and, and the interests of the United States relationship with Ukraine um, and, you know, companies within it at that time, right? And so 
I have not seen any secure good evidence of Joe Biden doing something that was definitely, you know, based on that conflict of interest. Again, that conflict of interest is there. So I understand why you would think that may be happening. And there's just not much evidence to prove anything actually happened wrong based on the actions that Biden had, the authority that he had. There was no chance for him to use that authority um, that was borne out to have helped this company that Hunter Biden was involved with. But I think Hunter Biden was definitely trying to play that up, was definitely trying to say, hey, my dad's the vice president. I could help you guys out. That's why you should keep me here. That's why you should, you know, um, give me favorable treatment. I, I actually totally think that's what Hunter Biden was doing. And that's why I have very little respect for Hunter Biden. Now, again, I don't actually think that reflects on Joe Biden's decision making in his governance, but it does reflect on his decision making, um, in this relationship and his allowance for that to happen and to put him in that position. That was very, very bad judgment on the part of Joe Biden. Okay, so I think that kind of wraps up the main claims. Another thing that is happening in relation to Hunter Biden to show there's not some big conspiracy to protect Hunter Biden is right now he's being investigated for tax fraud type stuff, um, and it looks like he might be prosecuted for it. So he may actually get charges brought against him for um, his bad tax practices, which I totally support, you know, if he did things wrong on that front, to hold him accountable. Um, so to sum it all up, Hunter Biden went to Ukraine, got a position at an energy company, setting up a situation where Biden is obviously going to, sorry, Joe Biden is obviously going to be seen as having a massive conflict of interest because he did have one. Then when you analyze the details of the uh, uh, decision-making of Biden while he was vice president, it isn't borne out that because of that relationship, he made corrupt dealings, he made corrupt decisions. Uh, so in that sense, I don't impeach the character of Joe Biden, but I do impeach the character of Joe Biden based on his ability to allow his son to hold that position, knowing that it would present that conflict of interest. Hunter Biden all the blame can go his way for doing that. That was a very, very low character move. He was putting his dad in a very bad situation. Um, and I think he just cared about himself in that situation. He knew he could get paid big bucks for having the last name Biden. And he took that chance. And that is disgusting to me. Very disgusting. Um, because you're setting up a situation where maybe anything good that was done by the Obama administration in relation to Ukraine or Joe Biden um, and his ability to, you know, do something good in the future politically, whatever it was, you're setting up a situation where all that's jeopardized. And Joe Biden has such a less position now to speak on the behalf of conflict of interest. In other case, like Joe, uh, like Donald Trump, Donald Trump had so many conflict of interests with who was involved in his administration and who uh, were being dealt with outside of his administration within his family and Ivanka and Jared and all the things they were doing outside the administration and that setting up a, a conflict of interest was president. But Joe Biden, dude, you have a very, very similar situation. Now, which one you think actually led to corruption is a different question. Um, but understanding the right is going to be very critical of you. And I think the left can be critical of uh, the, the lapse in judgment that you must have had or Hopefully not, but it could have been actively uh, prioritizing the financial gains of your son over this bad appearance of a conflict of interest. So to continue with my summary, the, the corrupt dealings not having happened is good. Conflict of interest being there 
is bad. Hunter Biden benefited financially from his dad's position, um, which I think is bad. I think he should try to stay out of situations like that um, at all possible. That should be the priority when you're the son of someone that powerful. Now, you can go live a fun life. You can go live your own life, do your own things. It's not all about your dad's position. But when you're using his position to benefit you, now it is about caring about that position. So, um, And then, now that I'm saying all that, Lots of the claims being made by the right aren't true. And I, I plead with them. If you want to make this story something that the general public cares about, you got to be intellectually honest because as I'm doing now, you can present the parts that are there and the parts that are backed up without making a bunch of false claims about what, what hasn't been backed up. And then the fact that y'all obsess over Hunter Biden's drug addiction and his, you know, uh, dealings with prostitutes and stuff like that takes away, again, a lot of your credibility, because how does that reflect on Joe Biden? Why do we care about Hunter Biden's drug addiction? That's something that Hunter Biden and his family need to figure out. Um, that's something that Hunter Biden himself has to take care of, and I support him in trying to take care of that. Same thing with uh, the prostitution. That's something that Hunter Biden could be held accountable for if it was illegal um, where he was doing it. And that's something that Hunter Biden needs to deal with. Why is that at all something you bring up in the conversation around possible corruption? I don't know. A lot of you guys, I don't know who you is, <laughs> who you is. I don't know who I'm really directing this towards because obviously any viewers of this show probably didn't do this, but whoever was leaking photos of Hunter Biden and, um, you know, smoking crack and stuff, that just to me is so irrelevant to this conversation. Um, if you're trying to make a claim about Joe Biden being corrupt. So I hope People, viewers of mine on the left, which is obviously my primary audience, respect that I wanted to do this because there is some importance to the conversation, but why it gets ignored a lot is because so many of the claims being made about this are false. So um, that's on the right. Y'all shouldn't make so many false claims all the time. And again, I'm not going to believe what you're saying about this story, and that's why it took me forever to figure out um, the the depth of the truth in all these different um claims being made because you're the same people who say the election was stolen and that time and time again has been proven to be false and so as well as many other false claims y'all make so if you want to be taken seriously you got to make true claims and also yes the mainstream media has reported on this story and has been the ones finding the facts that then y'all take and blow out of proportions they're the ones actually getting the good information um, that allows us to know what the truth is anyways Wild stuff. Um, so there's the breakdown, as I see it, of Hunter Biden. And more information could come out. Mainstream media outlets, as we speak, are still looking into all the details. But as it sits now, that's the summary. Um, and that's what you should know about the whole Hunter Biden shenanigans. I wanted to do an update on the Russian invasion of Ukraine and kind of just break down the most recent news in relation to it, as well as a little bit of the affect the human toll of this war so far. So first, one of the big news items that came out was a nuclear power plant was um, bombarded by Russian, the Russian military as a part of this invasion, and it set up a situation where there could be a possible nuclear accident, which is obviously terribly scary. And the Ukrainian military or government was trying to get out iodine tablets to people in preparation for some sort of nuclear uh, nuclear 
accident, which is very scary. It looks like UN kind of nuclear response, a nuclear response team has gone in and is working on keeping that situation safe and keeping a nuclear accident from happening. But that's one of the breaking news things in relation to this invasion. And then, uh, recently, somewhat good news, I guess, is that Ukraine is in a place to start an offensive against the Russian military in the south of Ukraine. So that sets up a situation where if they're able to get a bunch of their forces together and prepare to take back over parts of southern Ukraine that Russia had previously taken over, it means they're not having to just be defensive and they're able to, um, they're strong enough and in a good enough position to start trying to take back some of Ukraine, which is great. Um, so we'll read about that. A long-awaited Ukrainian counteroffensive against Russian forces is underway in southern Ukraine to retake Moscow-controlled territory, uh, the former president of Ukraine told CNN. This is the first time since February 2022 when such a concentration of Ukrainian troops with Western artillery, with Western uh, high-mobility artillery rocket system, and Western missiles was collected together for this counterattack. The counteroffensive comes as Russia's war in Ukraine has passed its six-month mark, with U.S. assessments indicating that Russia has been able to deploy fewer units to the front lines than initially thought, according to a senior U.S. official. So that's kind of the one recent news item um, in relation to this war or the second that I'll give for you today. Um, and again, I think it's a good sign that Ukraine feels like it's in a place to go back and start taking parts of southern Ukraine back into their hands that Russia had previously won over. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to do that with all of Ukraine, of course. So then the other part that is so important when these types of conflicts, I mean, it's not co super common, but a massive war like this is not to forget the human toll that is taking place and the real effects because we can start thinking of it in kind of military analysis. Oh, this has been taken over and this is going there like a video game or a movie. And while those things are important to understand what is the military reality um, and what is the situation on the ground within the war context and within who might be able to come out uh having taken over, either protected or taken over this part of Ukraine or the entire Ukraine, it's also so important to remember it isn't a game. It isn't a movie. This is real lives that we're talking about. And so there was a good breakdown by CNN. Six months into the war, here's kind of the effect on the people of Ukraine. So between February 24th and August 16th, 11 million people crossed the border out of Ukraine. So they had to evacuate their home. Um, and then between February 24th and July 23rd, 2022, 6.6 .6 million Ukrainians were displaced from their homes, but haven't left the country. So they're having to be displaced from their home. But just think about from your perspective how um, off-putting and, and scary that would be. And then here's where it just gets so heartbreaking. Between February 24th and August 22nd, 2022, an estimated 5,587 Ukrainian civilians were killed um, and 7,890 were injured. So just mass devastation on the part of Ukrainian civilians. Between February 24th and May 10th, 2022, 200 healthcare facilities were attacked. And then finally, between February 24th and June 11th, 2022, 4.8 million Ukrainian jobs were lost. So in the most tragic sense, thousands of Ukrainian civilians, not to mention um, all of the military members, 
who have been killed. Um, devastating. And then you think about millions upon millions of people having to move out of Ukraine, having to be displaced from their homes. And then, of course, tons of jobs being lost and people's way of life just being completely thrown into the air. It's, it's really heartbreaking. So that's kind of where it stands as of now, the devastation as well as the, um, military related news looking like Ukraine is able to be in a position of strength to start trying to take back some of southern U, southern Ukraine, which is good news to me, um, within the context of just really bad news. Ben Shapiro, uh, spoke out about how it is Trump's fault in a sense or it is the discussion around Trump that is to blame for uh, the Democrats surging in the polls. So I want to read through this Twitter thread that he put out. And it's interesting because obviously Ben Shapiro is someone who's on the right. So when he puts this out to his conservative audience, it's significant because it's likely not what they want to hear. So the Republicans are losing steam in the 2022 election. This is reading from Ben Shapiro's Twitter. There are some reasons for this, the Democratic upswing in the wake of Dobbs being the most obvious factor, but there's something else going on here that represents a deeper problem for the Republican Party. The GOP is miscalibrating the very nature of the American political scene right now, based on a myth. In fact, the entirety of American politics is based on dueling versions of the same false mythology, the, the, the mythology of the emerging Democratic minority majority. Democrats, and I'll respond to all this at the end, Democrats have banked on this myth since 2012, believing that it excuses their cultural and economic excesses. This is untrue and has led them into an electoral box canyon as many minorities turn away from their woke progressive outreach. Again, I'll respond to that in a second. Meanwhile, Republicans have also banked on MEDMM to the extent that they believe only a magical person like Donald Trump can defeat it. This means that when Trump is attacked, Republicans immediately return to making him the centerpiece of the conversation, and this harms them electorally, as every poll is now showing. So, uh, to the point of the, as he called it, mythology of the emerging Democratic minority majority. And this idea that, that pretty much as America changes, it's going to be easier and easier for the Democratic Party to win. And I actually agree a little bit with his analysis there, that the Democratic Party takes this for granted. And that's why you see them just assume, yeah, we're going to get um, all of the black voters or we're going to get all of the Hispanic population. And we're seeing increasingly that's not true. They still get uh, majorities of those two that I just listed, but not at all to the extent that I think they expect. Um, and obviously Trump got more in a lot of minority communities than previous Republicans had gotten. Um, and so it's this idea that, hey, because the Republican Party is so bad in these ways, we don't really have to try that hard. And just in uh, opposition to them, we can come off looking really good and get mass amounts of these voters. And that's not going to be true forever. Um, and we're already seeing it not be true right now. And that's why I don't think that you can just bank on um, changing populations or um, whatever it is, the younger population coming into voting power. You can't just bank on that as your political future. You have to propose a really good platform yourself and then do a really good job branding and marketing it. And that's what the Republican Party does well as the last two things. To me, they propose a horrible platform, but they brand and market their platform and their 
um, party as something that it really isn't, and it does appeal to some people, shockingly. And so in my mind, what the Democratic Party has to do is stop taking any group for granted and really build a platform that is appealing to people because it's appealing to people, not because it's in contrast to a really bad Republican Party. But then to the point about focusing on Trump, absolutely true. They have this feeling of Trump is the guy we have to get behind because he was able to defeat um, this this Democratic you know majority in our country magically, as uh, Ben Shapiro said. I think that's true uh, because Trump is someone who now is politically toxic, even though he still has a massive base of support. He is politically toxic among the general public, and so I think the more that the midterms are made about, of course, things like abortion, of course, things like the economy, but also about Trump and his anti-democratic actions, the better the the Democratic Party is off in those midterms. And so his analysis there, even though often Ben Shapiro is very dishonest, is correct. Um, The emphasis on necessarily the Democratic Party being this big woke mob now, I don't think is true. Here's what I see. The Democratic Party actually doesn't subscribe to that so much. The Twitter far left does get caught up in that sometimes too much. Not sometimes, oftentimes gets caught up in that too much. And so if we can center our messaging as kind of activists of the left, if you want to say that, around the issues that people care about, and of course, we can be concerned with um, less general appealing issues, absolutely. The ones that we got to put front of mind in voters and the ones that we have to attach to the Democratic Party's name are ones that have broad appeal. And yes, Liberal, uh, progressive policies are much more popular in our country, but then they get sometimes defeated because of better branding and better marketing by the Republican Party. Um, so interesting moment there for Ben Shapiro telling his audience that, hey, Trump actually might be part of the issue about why the Democratic Party is seeing an upswing in midterm polls. Um, and just to kind of cap off this segment, I didn't know real, really where to include this, but it's an interesting thing that attaches a little bit to why Democratic uh, candidates are getting boosts in the polls. And, and I'll just play this for you. Talk about Dobbs, Debbie, because this chart for The New York Times, I'm hoping we can bring it up. It shows the uptick in women who are registering to vote in 10 states following the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe. On average, since the decision, women in these states have made up 55% of newly registered voting. Before the ruling, men were outpacing women and when it comes to voter registration. I'm of the belief, Debbie, that this is not... Very interesting. So as I would have expected, um, but as we're seeing play a role in these races, or at least in the polling, and then some of the special elections we've seen as well, um, where you actually get a Republican versus Democrat, um, the difference is being made by Dobbs um, and in a way it's motivating women voters more now, you know, even though I do believe, <laughs> as this host went on to say, that this is an issue everyone should be concerned with, men and women. It is definitely motivating women massively and, and more significantly than men, obviously, because it has the potential to more directly affect them or they're more e- able to empathize with those experiences. And so very, very fascinating. I think that in addition to Trump being more at the center of this conversation right now is why the Republican Party is not doing as well as they were earlier in the year as far as midterm polling goes. Joe Rogan said something that just enraged me. It just made me so mad. He encouraged people to vote Republican, which I know you're probably thinking, whatever, that's Joe Rogan now. He's super far right. 
I think he's more complicated than that. I do think he has more uh, mixed bag opinions than most people these days. Most people just fall into a camp really obviously. I, I think he genuinely is very easily swayed. So lately he's had a lot of right-wing people on, so then he gets swayed to the right. But when he's had more left-wing people on, he endorsed Bernie Sanders, right? So these days he does seem to be more conservative, uh, but I think you could conceive of a situation where he's not. And it's so important that we follow his opinions because, guys, he has a gargantuous uh, audience. So many people go to him. And that's much of what they hear about politics is based on my experiences. A lot of people who listen to him, that's really where they hear the most about politics. And so he drives, even though he doesn't see himself as this, a lot of the opinions of many Americans. And so him saying this statement, as you're about to see, is not good in my opinion. So here, Joe Rogan saying that people should vote Republican. So upsetting. So dumb. But, you know, I hope there's lessons learned in this because this is a... And they're talking about the response to COVID, which I'll discuss everything that's said in this clip right after. New thing. We had never had this before. No, you know, no one who was alive today had ever experienced a true pandemic. And I'm hoping that now that this is over, people are going to, you know, recognize that some serious errors were made and not repeat those. That's the best you can get out of it. But as far as compensation... For all those people that were forced to close their businesses and keep their doors shuttered and lost everything that they'd worked for decades to build, no, they're they're just going to be angry. So, what do you tell those people? Vote Republican. <laughs> and he's, he's chatting with Aaron Rodgers. That's what a lot of them are going to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, more than a million people. Okay. So uh, then he goes on to talk about how that affected kind of the the voting population. So. First off, he's he's wrong in the sense that if you're looking out for the interests of those business owners, it's not to vote Republican. Guys, the current Republican platform doesn't propose anything for benefiting the lives of people economically. The one legislative win of Donald Trump was a, a tax bill that while some people got, you know, short-term tax benefits from it, largely brought money up to the top gave people at the very top of our economic society um, all of the benefits. And so the Democratic Party, however, makes meaningful investments in these types of areas. Now, they don't do enough. I have tons of critiques of them. But when you compare them to the Republican Party, there's no comparison. Um, and so Joe Rogan, I know he's just saying that because the Democratic Party was the one seen to push, push for a lot of these policies that, granted, did hurt businesses um, and, granted, oftentimes went the wrong way. And what I mean by that is we were in a moment where there was so much uncertainty. COVID was something no one knew how to deal with. And so local and statewide individuals, politicians, representatives were trying to do the best they could, both following health guidelines and thinking about optics. So one of the things they talk about is how some person he talked to said they shut down outdoor dining just for optics, even though there didn't seem to be reason to believe it was spreading COVID that much, or how beaches were shut down, would beaches really? And I agree there was some just doing stuff for optics type actions from representatives. But again, I don't think people remember, maybe they do or they don't care, how much of a panic people were in. So if you're a politician, you're just trying to cover up the holes of the pipe that has a bunch of 
has water poured in it and a bunch of holes where water are coming out. And you're just trying to cover as many as you can. You're trying to both save yourself politically while also not allowing the spread to happen too much. So when you see a spike, maybe you do just a big virtue signal by closing down outdoor dining. But Republicans and Democrats were dealing with this. And there was just a mad dash to figure out what the heck to do. And I think overcompensating while sometimes maybe have damaged people's lives. And I, I definitely sympathize with that. That is better than completely undercompensating and having more millions of people dying from this disease, which we did stuff and still over a million people died. If we hadn't, you know, so many more lives would have been lost. And I think that's what people forget because the human toll of the shutdowns was real. Absolutely. Um, and that has to be considered. But the human toll would have been even greater, uh, at least from the deaths, if that hadn't happened. And some, we can look back in retrospect and say that one wasn't necessary. That was silly. That wasn't necessary. I agree. But that's what's going to happen when you're dealing with a once in a hundred year pandemic. Some of the response isn't going to be great. So I agree with those critiques. That does not mean that for some reason, a Republican party is better, um, going forward or that voters should vote for them if they were upset by COVID policies. Because that's you supporting a part, a party that has made themselves so clear to be against our democratic process. And if you care about having your, your voice heard, if you care about the next time this happens, being able to choose a good politician that maybe will respond in a way that you feel is better, then you should care first and foremost about holding our democracy together, which right now the Republican Party does not stand for. Plus, if you care about your economic life, the Democratic Party is 100% better for that, unless you're a multi-billionaire. So him encouraging his his uh, viewers to do so or making a statement that would encourage them to do so is horrible. Because right now, I'm sorry to say, even though I know plenty of Republicans who don't support this and are great people, there is a big chunk of the Republican Party that right now has control over the Republican Party that is openly anti-democratic, that supported a candidate, or I should say supported an individual who actively tried to overturn an election. Plus, the things that Joe Biden has gotten done are going to benefit the lives of Americans, some of the stuff he's done, and he hasn't done enough. But his recent uh, Inflation Reduction Act, for example, is going to impact positively the economic lives of Americans. And so... I think that's a bad move on the part of Joe, Joe Rogan. And he said some more stuff about Ron DeSantis, how he likes him, which is very scary based on Ron DeSantis' actions in Florida. Lindsey Graham said something on Fox News that was very scary um, and is in line with many of the things Donald Trump has said recently in response to the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. So we'll take a look at this and then discuss. Most Republicans, including me, believes when it comes to Trump, uh, there is no law. It's all about getting him. There's a double standard when it comes to Trump. What happened with Hunter Biden is that the FBI weighed in to make sure a story didn't break for the 2020 election. We now have. So we talked about this previously. Um, and if you're watching this current segment out on the YouTube channel in segment form and you don't have access to the full show because you're not a patron, which you should be, um, <laughs> or if you're not listening to the podcast, which also does the full show, then. I encourage you to go watch my segment on Hunter Biden. I broke down all of what's true and what's not true. But what he's saying right now is very misleading. 
have whistleblowers at the FBI telling Senator Grassley that they were told to slow down and back off Hunter Biden. And I'll say this. If there's a prosecution of Donald Trump for mishandling classified information after the Clinton debacle, which you presided over and did a hell of a good job, there'll be riots in the streets. That is dangerous. Now, what he's saying is likely true, unfortunately. What he's saying is probably true. If Trump is indicted, there probably will be riots in the streets. But I say that within the context of not wanting it to happen and not wanting people to feel encouraged to do so. I'm saying that from an opposition point of view. Lindsey Graham did not give any caveats that I hope I beg people not to respond this way. He said it in a threat way. When all you say is, look, all these bad things were done by Biden. If Trump gets indicted or, or gets prosecuted, there's going to be riots in the streets and you don't follow it up with, which there absolutely should not be. And I say to every person watching this right now, do not respond if that happens in that way. Nope. He said it like we have the power to threaten you violently in that way as a movement and we're going to use it. Very, very bad. Very bad. And we've seen similar stuff from Trump where he'll say, you know, there is going to be violence if... I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but many times he's repeated that uh, my followers are going to be very angry and, and violent if this witch hunt continues to go on and doesn't do everything possible on his end to make sure that doesn't happen, doesn't encourage his followers to stay peaceful, which would be the response if you really cared about the safety and lives of even your own followers, not to mention the people that they may be threatening. And so it's scary to see that they recognize the truth of there being this threat, but don't recognize the responsibility they have to prevent it from happening. Laura Loomer has gotten some attention. She lost a congressional primary race against another GOP candidate. And she had this moment where she was crying on stage saying she didn't really lose because she's actually a winner and boo hoo hoo. And I, crying is great. Get your emotions out. Like I actually think crying should be done more. <laughs> It feels really good when you can do it, but uh, the false claims she was making were horrible, right? Um, the the spreading of the lie that it was stolen from her or that she is not going to concede. That's not a lie, but uh, the, the action of not conceding and being loud and proud about that is very dangerous. But she also said that her followers shouldn't support the GOP candidate who did win that primary which is good news for the Democrats. Because what I hope when I see the more radical MAGA people going against the more establishment, somewhat more moderate Republicans, is that that will cause a situation that splits the Republican Party and weakens them where they can't defeat Democrats. Especially in this moment where even though the Democratic Party has tons of problems, is not at all what it should be, is clearly better than the Republican Party. Okay. In a not even remotely shocking turn of events, defeated extremist Republican House candidate Laura Loomer is directing her followers to not vote for the candidate who beat her in Tuesday's primary. Following a wild speech Tuesday night in which she said, I'm not conceding because I'm a winner, the conspiracy theorist who lost by roughly seven points to Representative Daniel Webster in the Republican Party in Florida's 11th Congressional District is doubling down on her refusal to concede and calling for her fans not to support Webster in November. In all caps, she wrote, I do not concede, Loomer wrote in a Gitter social media post, and I encourage all of my supporters and all of my voters to not support Daniel Webster 
and the establishment RNC and big tech voter fraud machine that is propping his feebly, feeble body up and depriving my constituents of the represent, uh, representation they deserve and need. I am calling for Daniel Webster to resign because everyone knows he is beyond unfit to serve. That's incredible. So again, what that does for the Democratic Party is weaken the Republican Party in the race with them. So uh, if you have a situation where even 50% of her voters, so let's say around 40-ish percent of Republican voters, split that in half, 20%, don't vote for the Republican candidate, they're sunk. They're sunk. The Democratic is going to win easily. And that's what I hope every time I see a Trump-like figure or a MAGA figure feud with someone who's more establishment, is that not only will they try to beat each other in primaries, but once one of them loses, they'll call their followers not to support the Republican in the general election, which is just asking your followers to make it more easily for the Democrat to win. So Laura Loomer is actively helping the Democrat in that congressional race in Florida's 11th district. And I love it. And I hope more MAGA candidates will do that if they lose their primaries. Thank you all for watching and listening to what has been, I think, our longest show uh, thus far since I've been doing it in full show form. So wow, uh, big stuff going on. I will see you all tomorrow.